What is up, everybody? This is the Tailgater Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, this is your host, Kevin Borba, and joining me is Sergio De La Esperia. Sergio is out there grinding right now, doing his best to bring you the best college football content he can. So we're just going to dive right into the show, and it's a somber note, Sergio. It's very somber. People are losing jobs. It's only week three. Uh, Scott Frost, a Nebraska head coach, former Nebraska head coach now, um, former national champion quarterback for Nebraska, he was given the boot uh, three games into the season for him because they had a week zero game. Um, he had a, it was just a tough tenure for Nebraska. They were a touchdown away from winning just about every game. They were five and twenty-two in one-score games and overall uh, sixteen and thirty-one under Scott Frost. And so, really makes you think what what would have happened if they would have never fired their previous coach because he was roughly doing he was doing better. Um, on the bright side for Frost, and I know you're going to bring this up, the best the best job in the country is either a backup quarterback in the NFL, you just stand there, hold a clipboard, or a fired college football coach because Scott Frost is still getting his $15 million. Um, we're going to talk about the firing a little bit, and then I might throw out some potential candidates. I'm going to get your reaction, Sergio. So when you are ready to just go in on Scott Frost, because as we all know, Sergio is a Florida native. He has some US, UCF ties. Um, Scott Frost was, I wrote about this the other day. He went from an offensive mastermind to a meme in just about three years time. So what is your thoughts on the Scott Frost experience at his alma mater? Well, I want to, I want to clarify for the record. I don't have UCF ties. I have UCF adjacent ties. My girlfriend and a lot of my friends are UCF alum and they're UCF fans. I'm actually currently writing um, a column about when is it appropriate to cheer for to root for not your team, like your secondary team? You know what I mean? Like that side team. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying I have two teams. I'm saying I have my team, the Florida Gators. And then I have this group of teams that I would like to see do well. Um, and the whole point of the of the article of the column, which you can find on GatorsWire.com right now as you're listening to this, uh, the whole point of it is that you want to basically root for your family and your partner's teams and just for the overall happiness of everything and everyone, you know, and also you have like a family team, you know, like a, a childhood team. So that's clearing that up for the record in regards to Scott Frost. I, I think that it was a great way you put it, Borba going from an offensive mastermind to a meme in three years time. I think it just goes to show that not every overachieving coordinator not every overachieving coordinator can make a for a good head coach. And then on the on top of that, not every good head coach at a group of five level can make for a good head coach at the power five level. Not that those things are bad, not that one is better than the other, although people would think, you know, the power five one and such, but they're just different skill sets. So I think the first thing that went wrong with Scott Frost was right from the beginning when he was hired at Nebraska. He quite literally took his entire staff from UCF and move them over to Nebraska. He was trying to do the exact same thing that worked at UCF and implemented at Nebraska, which to Nebraska's credit, that's kind of what they bought. That's really what they wanted to happen. Um, and so it was a situation where he just kind of had to, you know, do that, do that. Um, and it just turns out that that wasn't going to work in the big 10 uh, in the big 10 West. So it, it was very difficult for him. He never had a winning season. Um, he, his ironically his offense sometimes stagnated even though he was an offensive mastermind and then on the defensive side of the ball at least this season those first two three games 
it was just not pretty at all. So it really couldn't contain, especially being in a conference where I will say being in the Big Ten West is better than being in the Big Ten East because you don't have to deal with Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State every single year. You probably get some of those teams every year, at least one of them, but you're not going to get all three in division play um, every single year. So they should have their biggest division competition was Wisconsin. They should have been in the Big Ten West champion or the Big Ten championship game representing the West multiple times and they just weren't and then what you saw coming down to in this season it just seemed like he didn't really have a good grasp of the late game situations or like the obvious decisions he went for an onside kick with nine minutes left in the third quarter up double digits in a neutral site game in europe like you you just you can't do that as a head coach of a, a program that is uh that has the expectations that nebraska has for its team so I think all those things combined were really big factors. And listen, I, I don't think he's a bad coach. I don't think he is a bad offensive mind. I just think some people are better suited to be high-level coordinators or to be head coaches at a um, at a lower level of football, which is perfectly fine um, because you can still make a big living. And uh, last I checked, they fired him. Uh, his buyout was going to drop by $7 million if they fired him on October 1st. And I think there was such a big emphasis on the Oklahoma game this weekend at home, not embarrassing themselves that they really just had to kind of make the, make the move right now. And I think it's just crazy to say like it outside of the big 10. And I want to say outside the sec, but I don't think an sec team would do this outside the big 10 who are swimming in money. You can't really just, they spent, think about it. They spent $7 million to just buy themselves two and a half weeks, which I'm no accountant, but I don't think I would make that decision. <laughs> I don't think it's worth it. Now, again, to, to Nebraska, they think it's worth it and kudos to them, but I don't know, man, I wouldn't have made that decision. So early. Uh, I wouldn't have done it before October 1st. And listen, there are advantages to it, right? The big 10 media deal is going to be insane coming up in the next few years. So they're going to, they're going to get that 7 million back really quickly. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's see what they can do. And I, I am going to close my Scott Frost point by saying, once again, my dream job in life is to be a fired college football coach because it it, it is incredible. It's like, what, $15, $15 million is a buyout? Something, something crazy like that? Fully guaranteed? $15 million to not be there, you know? If you, if you want... If you want me to not be somewhere, you throw fifteen million dollars, you'll never see me again. I promise. Did you see? Did you see what Ed Orgeron said a few weeks ago about when he I, left? What tour? And tell me when. <laughs> they, they, I mean, basically, he was like doing an interview, and they asked them what was the process like, you know, when you were being let go. And he said that Scott Woodward, the athletic director at LSU, said, "All right, we're going to give you seventeen million dollars to not be the coach." And he said what time do you want me gone and what door should I leave from? <laughs> and honestly, was, I've never related more to Ed Orgeron more in my life. That was an iconic quote. I think the funniest part though, isn't even the statement. It's the fact that whoever was hosting that event was trying to move on. And Ed, Ed was like interrupting him to be like, wait, 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 you got to hear this. Cause like, you know, he rehearsed that. Oh, he practiced. He's like, he's like, wait, 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 wait. I got to show this one off. My kids love yeah. this joke. I got to tell this one. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was, he had that one locked and loaded in the chamber um, sure. The only thing that this tells me about back to the Scott Frost thing before we move on, they probably think the season's salvageable. You know, um, they had they're one and two. Um, they were hoping to be well. I, I chuckle, but they were hoping to be three and zero or four and zero by the time they played Oklahoma. And 
I, that's not how it worked out in this case. But realistically, if you look at how weak the Big Ten is, um, you touched on it a little bit, they're still kind of like in play if things go the right way. Um, they're currently last place right now, but right now Northwestern's the best team in the, in their division, and realistically, they had that game all but one in Ireland. Um, then Minnesota, who's in the ninth year of the Tanner Morgan experience, they always fizzle out. And then Iowa, who is I – re- I wrote about this the other day. I said they have the worst offense since the forward pass has been invented. Um, and then we got Wisconsin, who just lost to a – unranked Washington state team. So this season is very salvageable for Nebraska. If they were able to turn things around, um, it's just unfortunate that it had to cost, um, Scott Frost's job, but he just couldn't find that magic that he had at UCF. Um, there was, he tried to bring in, like you said, uh, influx of Florida dudes. And there was a lot of issues with some of the Florida guys staying out of trouble or whatever it may be. But the, Scott Frost, um, which we text about this privately, I think he'll be Alabama's next offensive coordinator or next uh, analyst for the Nick Saban rehab program. (laughs) Um, But moving on from someone who was a former member of the Nick Saban rehab program, or just a, he's just a member of the Nick Saban family tree, Jimbo Fix Fisher in Texas A&M, another school who was upset by the Sun Belt. Uh, If we were doing winners and losers, by the way, Sergio, the Sun Belt would be my first winner. Um, They went three and oh against Power five programs. Electric. Electric. Power five and Power Five and Notre Dame. But you know you know the vibe. Who, who's um, the real power six is the question we should be asking. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean look out the American because the Sun Belt is coming. Um but yeah, Texas AM, which this was I felt like this was a long time coming for them. I actually picked them in our weekly pick'ems last week to lose to App State. And like Nebraska, they play. They paid a, a Sun Belt team over a million dollars to come to their campus and beat them. Basically, uh, this game just went, everything went wrong. Um, I don't think Hayes King is the guy for Texas A and M. He only threw for ninety seven yards, uh, average of four point nine per pass, twenty one point three QBR. They just they just don't have the offense going. They were also can I, can I ask you something about A and M? The offense yeah. specifically in Haynes King. Do yeah. we think that this is do we think that this is a problem of Haynes King can't operate this Jimbo offense or and hear me out is this just a Jimbo Fisher issue did Texas A&M pay a boatload of money scratch that a aircraft carrier amount of money <laughs> to give this man full reign of a program for the next decade and it's just his offense is stuck in 2012. Like, is it, can it be that nor can it be that simple that this is, that this is what's happening? Cause I don't think Haynes King is the problem. I think Haynes King is a fairly decent, is a good college quarterback. I think he has some good attributes. And I, I think that we need to start looking at Jimbo Fisher to be the issue here, at least on offense, when everyone else is moving to this spread quicker type offense. I'm not saying you need to be Josh Heupel at Tennessee. I'm not saying you need to be Mike Leach in the air raid. I'm saying you need to start implementing this better systems that maximize the talent that your players have. They are they have been recruiting so well. And in, in today's day and age, the players that you recruit are going to have elite levels of speed, are going to have elite levels of of um, having that twitch, right, is what sometimes we call it, right? That like side to quick side to side movement to open up space. Like those players have that. 
why in the world are you not maximizing their talents by giving them the ball in space and letting them do their thing? It's like Jimbo refuses to move past it, Jimbo refuses to move past 2012, 2014 at most with his offensive philosophy, and it's hurting him. Let me ask you this one question, and you answer it to me. I have said this at GatorsWire.usaday.com um, where I've written it. I've said this on Sideline Judgment, my other college football podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And I will say it here on the Tailgaters with the Believe Podcast Network and my lovely co-host, Kevin Borba. Borba, when has Jimbo Fisher had, had a successful offense outside of when Jameis Winston was at quarterback? Yeah, you really – honestly, I, I know the answer just because I looked at a chart of his past quarterbacks. What, and you go Tell me because I don't know the answer. Seriously. Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus Russell. So at that, his LSU days. Yes. It was basically – there was like a Christian Ponder, which I don't even think was his quarterback. But, yeah, it's – you got to go way back. Um, real, there was a list of quarterbacks that – which I was trying to scroll through it and look for while you were talking. And it, it was what they had done – under Jimbo Fisher, um, a few notable names. It was like Malik Henry, Last Chance U, mm-hmm. uh, who didn't pan out. Um, you had guys like, oh, EJ Manuel, too, I guess was kind of a, he was a success, I w- if but, you will. But it wasn't, but EJ Manuel was a relative success. He was an eight-win game right. quarterback. But I don't think Texas A&M is paying Jimbo Fisher over $100 million fully guaranteed for eight wins. That's not right. the expectation at AM. So if you're hiring a- this man and giving him an insane amount of money and he's delivering eight wins to you, is it really worth what you spent? Because I can find a whole lot of other coaches that are much cheaper that can get you eight wins. Right. And like I found the list. It, it has Christian Ponder, and then he went EJ Manuel, and then Jameis Winston, and then Everett Golson and Sean McGuire, who I remember I, mean, I remember them because I'm a Florida fan and I was at the games where they played. Let me tell you, even though those that those FSU defenses were solid and FSU as a whole were really good teams, I did not fear those quarterbacks. The only quarterback no. I feared was Jameis Winston. <laughs> it goes on DeAndre Francois, um, uh, James Blackman, who's currently at Arkansas State now. Yes. Um, Helen Mond, who he inherited uh, at Texas A&M. Exactly. And then Zach Calzada, uh, who he also inherited. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, the thing about Jimbo is – and Josh Pate from 24-7 Sports said this perfectly, is he has a 2014 system that he's trying to make work right now. And it's just not working. Um, like, you did ask me a question earlier that I want to answer. I don't want to say Haynes King isn't a good quarterback. I feel like he has potential. He's an athletic guy. Um, but he is not the quarterback for this system. And that's not his fault. It's just the system that he's in, and he's just not thriving in it. Um, I would like to see someone else get a try. Max Johnson, the LSU transfer, or even Connor Weigman, the five-star that they brought in this past class. Like someone else get a, get a try. Um, I'm just not, and I want to make sure that I emphasize, I don't know if it's Haynes King's fault. Like he, he is throwing interceptions and he is struggling, but maybe the system is just overcomplicated for no reason. If it was overcomplicated and it was working, sure. Like when Jim, when Jameis Winston, which it's kind of ironic to say that Jameis Winston was like a smart quarterback because he just doesn't always come off as the brightest guy, like stealing crab legs, yelling F or right in the P, like on the lunch table and then trying to dress out when he was suspended. Like he just doesn't seem like the brightest guy. But I will say he- I agree with you 
but I'm glad that it, with age he's matured and that like immaturity has manifested itself now into a mature adult who right. is the funniest person to listen to in the NFL. We gonna eat a it's dub. Just, we gonna eat a dub, Borba. We go. Like, it's just ironic that comedy gold. It's ironic that this system is for really smart quarterbacks, and Jameis Winston is apparently the smartest. Listen, um, but yeah, I have no, listen, I have no. I'm not here. I will not insult Jameis Winston's intelligence. That man is very bright. I think people underestimate the intelligence of uh, the intelligence necessary to play football at the highest levels, at the Division mm-hmm. One level, whether it's Group of Five or Power Five, at the professional level, whether it's practice squad or being on an NFL roster. It takes a brilliant mind to be able to do that. I have nothing against his intelligence at all. I will say. No. It's just it's, off the field. It, it, it's also <laughs> ironic that Jameis Winston, the uh, the funniest person to listen to in the NFL, is the person that mastered the Jimbo Fisher offense the most. Which which brings back to my point: maximize the strengths of the players you have. Someone like Evan right. Stewart, right, should be getting the ball in space a lot more, and instead he's running these more traditional routes, which is great. He great fundamentals and all that, but that's not where the game is being is going towards. Not only college level. But at the NFL level, which is where these five-star recruits ultimately want to end up. Yeah, and before we move on to a little other Texas A&M tidbit, it, Jameis Winston is going down that list is far superior to any of other of those other quarterbacks. So even if he didn't fully comprehend the offensive playbook, which he I'm sure he did because he took them to a natty and took them to the college football playoff and won a Heisman. He had the talent to kind of wing it and be good enough to like get them wins. Like there was games that Jameis Winston won. He hasn't had a quarterback that good, and I think it might be time to maybe check in the revolving door of quarterbacks because when you get out physical or out outmatched by Appalachian, Appalachian State and they have the ball for forty minutes of the game, which is insane, it's never good. But you did mention a young fellow by the name of Evan Stewart, um, a five-star receiver, who might not be thrilled with his how do i put this his pro- productivity in this offense his role in this offense um which honestly it's it's hard to like th- this is where in sports sometimes i feel like people are giving bad advice um i feel like you had to know that jimbo fisher has never produced an elite receiver name one and i'll wait i think the only one that was close to elite was kelvin benjamin who turned out to be a popeye's biscuit a Popeye's biscuit away from a tight end, according to Booger McFarland. <laughs> do we count? But, do we count? What's what was the the white tight end that didn't wear any gloves at FSU on that same Kelvin oh, Benjamin God. team? You I know I'm talking about that, right? I do, I do. Um, I don't remember his name, but no, because that's not an elite receiver. Uh, <laughs> well, the the way Jimbo was using him made it made him look right. like an elite quote unquote but, receiver. I feel like you kind of have to know, but Evan Stewart was because kids, if you don't know this, your likes on Twitter are public. Everybody could see him. Um, he was liking Texas related tweets, um, Texas Longhorns related tweets. Um, and there was also an issue, which this, this is no joking matter. I feel like this could have turned out much more worse than it did. Um, their five-star corner Denver Harris was on Instagram live going about 70 miles per hour in a parking garage and narrowly misses another car um, going the other way. And so Texas A&M seems to be in shambles right now. And it doesn't help that when you take a look at their schedule, they go against number 13, Miami against 10, Arkansas, Mississippi state, who's no team to gloss over. And then they have Alabama, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Florida, Auburn. And then 
that that's basically that that's what takes them all the way to UMass and then they go UMass LSU but it could be a tough 10 weeks for Texas A&M if they are not careful um Sergio what do you think Jimbo needs to do to kind of get a hold of this program and kind of get everybody back focused and make sure there's no accidents if you will he he needs to stop calling the plays and he needs to swallow his pride and hire an offensive coordinator that will bring in a new system this is very much reminiscent of um ed or's run when he brought in um someone like joe brady to help with the passing game uh aspect and really really maximize you can make fun of coach O all you want he 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 talks funny he's a southern guy he what all those stereotypes that are really not true well he does talk a little funny but really aren't true um those like southern stereotypes the man knew exactly when to pivot away from what he had been doing to something that will work and arguably might might have ushered in a new era of football, not just at the college level, but at the professional level. The success that Joe Burrow and Joe Brady had, uh, Joe Brady specifically in coordinating that passing offense, the success that they had really revolutionized the way that people see the sport, right? That 2019 LSU team, that offense was seen as this like, oh my gosh, what is happening? You know, such a good offense. In the conversation for best college football team of all time, at least best offense of all time, I don't think they are, but they're definitely in the top five. I think that that's what Jimbo's got to do. He's got to swallow his pride. He's got to make a change on offense. He needs to realize that this is not going to work with the players that he has. And it's just not as, even if he had the perfect players for that system, A, he's crafting the roster himself. So he knows it's this, it's like this irony, right? He knows he's going out and getting the best players available yet he is playing purposely playing a system that doesn't maximize the talent of his best players available. It doesn't make sense to me. So I think that's what he needs to do to really salvage this. I don't see it being salvaged this season. Now, Jimbo is a good enough coach, and those players are good enough players to win them eight games, maybe nine games. You know, The question is, they got to play Alabama. That's going to be a loss. I think they're going to lose to Miami this weekend. That's going to be three losses right there off the bat. It, depending on how Florida develops throughout the season, and that might just me be me being an, a homer, so please check me if that's the case. Um, but th- there's a possibility Florida could go in there and win that game. That, and if they do, that's four losses right there. That's eight and four, and that's not what A and M has been paying for. You know, they're not going to fire him because it's way too expensive. They're not going to fire him. Um, I, that's what I think he needs to do. He needs to give up the play calling. He needs to swallow his pride he needs to kind of look him look in the mirror and realize that he is the issue here in that sense yeah I, honestly it's kind of ironic too um joe brady is available i mean he, he has a job but he's available um i don't know if he wants to come back to the college level but jimbo's kind of got the like this would be the perfect what's he, scenario what's he doing for, right now i actually don't know what he, joe brady's he's doing. the quarterback coach for the buffalo bills oh that so. makes that, okay this makes sense this Josh Allen, okay, perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, but I'm saying like, okay, Jimbo could obviously recruit. I'm not going to take that from him. I think that's like the one thing he has going for him right now. He just brought in the number one class ever. So you bring in Joe Brady just to call plays who there was always rumors that he didn't like recruiting. And that was like the reason he wanted to go to the NFL. You bring him in, tell him that you just control the offense, maybe talk to recruits every once in a while. And this is all you got to do. But Jimbo like you talked about 
he can't, he's not going anywhere. Um, you sent me this and it was honestly, his agent is a, is a legend. Um, if Texas A&M were to fire Jimbo, his, they can't, well, they can, but basically let's say they added four extra years last season to make it go through 2031 and up to his average salary to 9.5 million starting in this season. So if they wanted Jimbo to leave, they would have to pay him a buyout of around $50 million. And so he thought Scott Frost being fired and given $15 million was good. Imagine getting fired and given 50. Now I don't think he's going to be fired, but they're kind of handcuffed to each other. And it's like one of those corny Disney, Disney channel shows where you can't find the key and you're just walking around handcuffed to someone all day because no one's going anywhere. So they got to make it work somehow. Well, yes, I agree. That's the analogy. They get the Disney show with the handcuffs and no one's got a key except Jimbo Fisher 100% has a key because the rest of that contact information is that if Jimbo were to leave on his own, there would be no buyout. He would not have to pay anything. He would not have to forfeit any salary. It's quite literally a one-way marriage. This is a this is a marriage where one person says, I'm committed to you for the rest of my life, and the other person says, I respect that, I, I, I acknowledge that. I know that if I were to leave, it would hurt your feelings, but I am not committed to you for the rest of my life. And but they Tristan go, Thompson? okay, this is perfect. <laughs> Tristan Thompson, <laughs> you savage dude. Come on. <laughs> Tristan Thompson. Effect. Horrible. You know, but this, just, is what it, this is what it is. Like Jimbo has an out whenever he wants. So it, it's crazy, does. man. This it, Jimmy Sexton is, is a wizard. Like the, definitely the most yeah, powerful yeah. man in college football, but insane, insane. Yeah, that that was that's a Scott Boris type of deal um, to cross over to the MLB where it's just like money. No one could do anything about like Jimbo is there for as long as Jimbo wants. Um, who knows? Maybe Jimbo doesn't want to be there after a couple more years of getting scrutinized. And maybe he goes to, I don't know, um, Nebraska, question mark. Um, we kind of glossed over that when we left the Nebraska topic. I just want to throw out three names for this job and I want a scale of one to ten. How how much you would like to see that up first, Tom Herman. Sorry. I was, I was muted. My fault. I was muted. <laughs> um, how Tom much, Herman. Would, how much I would want Tom Herman. Um, Currently a Fox sports analyst. Probably like a five, five. Okay. We, we saw what happened at Texas and Nebraska is in terms of I intensity. Think- on, I think I, not at Texas's level, but definitely maybe but, a tier below. He was a Big Ten guy, though. Came from Ohio State. Kind of, I don't know. I've, I feel like I give that like a solid six and a half, seven. Um, your former guy, Dan Mullen. I feel like that's a a four point five for me. I think Dan Dan Mullen could work only if recruit, he gets. Well, that's what I'm getting at. Nebraska has enough money, and they want to put enough money in the program where they can do they can have someone else kind of run the recruiting and Mullen just kind of be the guy but honestly I don't see it working there I would give that like a four okay Urban Meyer coming back to the college game and he's he's only he lately has only gone to powerhouse programs he went to Ohio State um he obviously was at Florida he had a little issue in Jacksonville, but Jackson, the Jacksonville Jaguars thing has nothing to do with this. This we've seen it before. I mean, Nick Saban literally left the Miami Dolphins oh two weeks before the season to take the Alabama. Like, come on, no. Yeah. 
I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Not, he it was two weeks before the season, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Urban Meyer, I, honestly, I don't think he's the same guy. He's not the same coach. If you hear him talk about it, he says he's not the same person. I think maybe that's why the NFL thing kind of interested him because it was something different. Um, I'll, that I'll go. I'll go three. Four. Maybe. Three. Yeah, man. That's wow. not going to happen. He. He. Okay. I don't know. Do they go with the interim coach right now? Or they, they let favorite. the interim. Uh-huh. This is my favorite right here. And I think it might surprise you. Bob Stoops. No. He gave away. A, no, not no. at all. Okay. No. Bob Stoops is Oklahoma through and through. And he's he's old head Oklahoma. He's he's one of those people that's like I that's like saying that's like saying would Steve Spurrier go coach Georgia? He wouldn't do it. Okay. Full stop. Okay. Matt Campbell, Iowa State. A 14 out of 10. 14 out of 10. Yes. Okay. Like, yes. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Look at what he's done at Iowa State. He's like the most successful head coach in Iowa State history. Nebraska is basically a rich, is a rich Iowa State. They're in a strange part. They're not a. I I apologize for that statement. It is not a strange part of the country. I apologize for that. They are in a part of the country that is similar demographically, so he can do it. He can recruit. He can make lemonade. He can make lemonade out of four week old lemons. Like he, he's a. Great coach, and imagine him with the with the money that Nebraska has. Because people are like, "Oh yeah, Nebraska's a joke. They haven't been relevant since the late '90s." I get that, but money wise, they still got a lot of money, man. There's a, a lot invested in Big Red. So, yeah, I think Matt Campbell would be fantastic over there. Yeah, I think honestly, he's the the best candidate. I think the hard part about Nebraska, the Nebraska job is it's not as attractive as it once was. Sorry, Nebraska fans. It's kind of like, I think it's more attractive than people are giving it credit for. I agree. It's yes. not as attractive as it once was, but it is more attractive than people think. Right. And like, honestly, it should be attractive if you're a coach who wants to make that jump. Cause Matt Campbell, I think he's peaked at Iowa state. I agree. Cause the only way he could go down at, or the only direction he could go at Iowa state is down. Okay. Cause they, they kind of had their little run in the big 12. Um, they kind of peaked, and now he ha- he lost that crew of players: Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, Charlie Kohler, all those tight ends, and everybody else. So he could easily move on, get a fresh start. Um, he he could probably recruit those four and five stars that he doesn't get at Iowa State, and maybe make something out of Nebraska, who's in the weaker part of the Big Ten. So I like our coaching options. Um, obviously, Matt Campbell being the best one. Um, but now it's time to move on to. The segment that I've been looking forward to the most, Texas and Alabama squared off this past weekend. Um, you actually wrote a public apology in your Gators Wire napkin uh, results article, I believe it was called, or something like that. Um, Alabama was minus 20, 20 and a half, right? Wasn't it something like that? Yep, minus 20 and a half. That's, exact, that's exactly what it was, and it's called the napkin. It's our, our weekly betting picks. I post it. Friday morning goes up for, you know, obviously the Saturday's games. And then Monday morning is like a recap of what we did. So in that recap post uh, for my betting picks, uh, I definitely uh, said I'm sorry to Texas and its fans, including you, Borba, including you. Accountability, we love to see it. Um, There is – let's talk about things we noticed from this Texas game, Sergio. I'll go first. Uh, Texas defense was very much improved. I think that was – which also I don't want to like give Texas all the credit. I think this might be, and I'm going to say this lightly, this might be right now the worst wide receiver room Alabama has had in recent years. And when I say worst, I don't mean like they suck. 
I just mean right now there is not three NFL first rounders running around the field for Nick Saban. And it was evident they didn't really have like Bryce Hall didn't have some that he consistently relied on. I think their best receiver of the game was honestly Jameer Gibbs, the running back who was a transfer from Georgia Tech. Um, but Texas defense was very much improved. Um, Quinn Ewers was that guy, still is that guy. But when he goes down in the first quarter with an injury, gave me a little PTSD from the championship years back when Colt McCoy went down the first quarter against Alabama with a, a similar injury. Um, I don't want to be this guy, Sergio. So I'll let you dive in and kind of talk about it before I, I go off. The officiating, questionable or no? Well, I think I think it was questionable, definitely questionable, but I don't think it was leaning to any side, right? Uh, on on sideline judgment, Tyler and I like to talk about how you cannot put yourself in a position to let the refs decide the game on penalties. If you put your you you have to be perfect. It's the um remember the Titans, um we will be perfect. If you drop a pass, you will run a mile. If you whatever, you will run a mile. You have to be perfect in order to to overcome those things. So it's ne- to me never is blaming the refs beat us outside That's of maybe outside of maybe the missed pass interference in that NFC Championship game with the Saints and the and the Rams. Outside of that, yeah. that might be the exception of the rule. But outside of that, you can't leave it up to the refs. So for me, I what I saw, point. what I saw was. Um, some decisions kind of not go either team's way. I I saw a lot of penalties on the Alabama front, which is something that is very um, unorthodox. It's not something we see every day. But surprising. That was the least disciplined Alabama's ever been under Nick Saban. Most penalty yards in the Nick Saban era. Yeah, it was was insane. It was crazy. So I, I I think you can't let it happen there. And then on the like, like the phantom safety or the safety call that wasn't called, right? Like that play, like that play happens so early in the game that, okay, great. The refs missed something too bad. It happens. It's football. You then have two and a half quarters to go and fix that and to score a touchdown. So I, I don't put games on those types of situations. Like, and if it happens at the end of the game, well, you shouldn't have been in a position where you needed that to happen at the end of the game. It's just a lack of accountability, in my opinion, and I think if teams teams need to realize that, or fan bases, I should say, need to realize that. Listen, we're not playing one drive. We don't play one drive, and oh my gosh, the ref screwed us on one drive, so that's it. You're playing. You get you get eight, nine, ten, eleven drives sometimes in a game. You have opportunities to take care of business on your own. So that's my opinion on on the referee stuff. Yeah, I totally. You say that, and I agree. Um, I will say. In terms of calls that didn't go Texas's way, I think it was just the timing of the calls that were kind of sticking with Texas fans. But like Sarkeesian said, you can't get into the red zone five times and not score a touchdown. Um, that's tough. You can't um, have Bryce Young dead to rights on a sack that would have put them out of field goal range to end the game and completely whiff, which I mean, whiff, when or if Bryce Hall, or Bryce Hall, not Bryce Hall, Bryce Young, excuse me, wins the high I'm naming TikTokers now when or if he names wins the Heisman that is going to be one of those plays that they show that's a Heisman moment play <laughs> but yeah Bryce Young Heisman moment play but you can't have that happen uh, I think Texas peaked this I think this is a good sign for Texas we 
when we talked about this in our pick'em last week, I was calling for Texas to lose by twenty or thirty, and that was I wasn't. I was kind of pulling the U with the Florida Utah game, where I was like, I was being pessimistic, but I was hoping I was right, or I was hoping I was wrong. Excuse me, and I was very wrong. I think there was a lot of positive things to take from that Texas game. I think Quinn Ewers, when healthy, will probably end up being one of the best quarterbacks in the country and probably be a future first round pick. Um, I sent you that video of Vince McMahon, or is that his name, the wrestling guy, Vince McMahon, the, where he was like, yes, he's special. <laughs> um, when, Quinn, it was, <laughs> when it was Quinn Ewers in the first quarter, and you know what? He was special. He was dicing up the Alabama defense. Um, but yeah, I think this was a positive loss for Texas. And I, I'm not a big, um, what's it called? Like moral victories guy. Moral victories. But yeah. I think when you lose by one point to the number one team in the country with a backup quarterback who's injured and multiple defensive players who got injured, not a bad showing. Um, you could be in a worse predicament. You could be down. You could have lost by 40 with everyone fully healthy. And you could have been a meme like this whole week, like Texas A&M has been. But I'm ready to move on. If you have anything else to add, let me know. But we got to get. I think. I think in the in two seconds, well, we can go on in a second. Yep. But I think. I I just want to say. I was you this time last year. I too lost a very close game, in by less than a possession, to an Alabama team at home, and Bryce Young was the reason why it it happened uh i i just want i want to hope i don't think that you are going to down spiral down the way the gators did last season clearly that just exposed an issue in the florida locker room and in the florida football program i think you guys are on the right track i think you were able to play such a well such a good game because you have sark because of the changes he has been making it's clearly working or at least it's it's it, you're on the right path. So um, I don't know if you peaked this season necessarily. You, I mean, there's still a lot worth playing for. It was a non-conference game. Mm-hmm. Like you still have everything to play for. Uh, the season goals are still there for you guys. So I just just want to point that out. Right. Just want to make sure you. When, you're, when you, I say peak, I mean like you know. peak performance. Like that's the best Texas team I've seen probably since the Sugar Bowl against Georgia. Um, but okay, that may be the best Texas team you've seen since the Sugar Texas performance yeah. you've seen since that Sugar Bowl game. But that doesn't necessarily mean you peaked, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. think you, I, th- I think you're, you're on the right track. I, be a bit, be a bit more optimistic. Now you got some injury injury yeah. issues to worry about, especially at the quarterback position. Yep. But I think that the, the um, proof of concept, right? Stephen Godfrey, a split zone duo, and SB Nation, and all those places says that. A lot like give me proof of concept is this working on a conceptual level and i think it is at texas and you can clearly see that so if you have mistakes that are made by players it's not a system mistake it's just a player mistake you know what i mean right and yeah like you, you mentioned there are injuries at quarterback quinn is out for at least a month i believe it is um, hudson card is battling a sprained ankle and the quarterback who many were hoping would be the third string guy, kind of the freshman. Um, he's often been labeled as there at the wrong time because he's there with Quinn in between the arch and Quinn era. And so many people expect him to transfer. This would have been a prime time for him to play Malik Murphy, um, LA native, but he was apparently injured riding a bird scooter. So those bird scooters have claimed another 
another body, basically, if you will. Those those things go quick. So. My uh, my girlfriend's brother was in Austin this past weekend for a bachelor party. Um, and uh, yeah, he he said those bird scooters they they fly, my man. They they go quick. They do go quick, and it may may lead to Charles Wright getting the start this week at UTSA. We'll we'll see. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, I don't know if you've been noticing Sergio has kind of turned into like a young Nick Saban this week. Um, he's been talking about rat poison. Um, they they asked him to name a quarterback, and he was like, "I'm not going to do it." So like, quit asking. He he's giving off like major Nick Saban vibes. Like I, he Lane Lane Kiffin did it first. He did. But now it's Sark's turn, and Lane Kiffin found his success after he kind of adopted the the ways of his old coach. So we'll see. Um, there's huge news in the college football world, which we talked about this eons ago. It felt like the transfer portal has finally gotten some structure, some very much needed structure. Um, it was reported yesterday by On Three that all NCAA athletes who have entered the transfer portal since August 31st, including 19 Division One football players have been ordered to withdraw their names. The NCAA is implementing and enforcing, keyword enforcing, because the NCAA doesn't always do that, um, a new transfer portal window that won't open until December. Um, This is still a lot, very, um, excuse me, words. This is still something that we need to know more about how it'll affect the game. Um, we texted about it last night. Does this affect their scholarships? Because if you didn't know, when you enter your name into the transfer portal, the coach can give away, your, and probably will, give away your scholarship spot um, to someone else. And so there's not a guarantee that you're back on the roster. But Sergio, what does this indicate for the future of college football? Because I think the rule, its timing is a little weird. I think they kind of just like barfed it at us and like, new rule, here you go. Um, there was no like build up to it. And so what do you, what do you think about this? Those, those of us who follow the world of soccer are very familiar with this phrase transfer windows. That's what we're going to get. That's what we're going towards. And that's perfectly fine. I like that. I think it brings a little bit of stability. doesn't mean the players don't have the power to transfer. It's just, Hey, if you're going to transfer, you got to do it within these windows. And I think that that kind of stabilizes Everything is a pendulum, right? Like it was like, oh my god, now we got NIL. NIL was insane for a minute. Oh, now it's starting to come back a little bit more. Um, transfer portal. Everybody's in the transfer portal and now. People are realizing, oh, there's not enough. There's more people in the portal than there are spots on rosters. So it's like you know, and it comes back and swing. I think this is perfect. I think this is a great compromise. Um, I I agree with you. It's massive news. Um, I just don't really. I just. There's not much to say about it, in my opinion, because it's very straightforward. Mm-hmm. It's it's the it's expected that we're going to get the official announcement of transfer windows in the relative future. And I think that that's a good thing for the sport and a good thing for the players as well, because, again, which this is a problem and I think they should fix. But you have to give up your scholarship to enter the portal. Um, I'm hoping that those players get their scholarships back, but we'll see. I think it's a school by school situation. Um, yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Yeah, and honestly, the. I feel like this could be stemming from a, a few things. Uh, I think there was a lot of drama surrounding, which it was. it's obviously because there was people transferring at all times at all places, and we never knew what to expect, when to expect. But I, I honestly think the Caleb Williams saga and the Jordan Addison saga may maybe played a role. They kind of stretched their thing out. Um, their transfers, quote-unquote, could have been affected by NIL deals or deals being wrapped up. So that this rule can maybe eliminate that to an extent like they still have a certain period to transfer but it won't be taking three months to transfer to a school that we all knew they were going to 
just to get some NIL deals squared away. Um, so I like the move. Um, you've been an advocate of this since I believe the transfer portal became a thing. Um, you, you had always said that there needs to be some sort of like time period where this is allowed. And Sergio, it came true. They listened. The the tailgater. I'm, I am not anti-player movement. I am pro-player movement. Mm-hmm. I just think we need some order and some to, to organize it. I just think we need to organize it. Yeah, and I, I think it's a great thing for the sport. And I just, it was just very random that it came out on a random Wednesday at just out of the blue. Like usually there, you hear rumblings of things and there was no rumblings. It was just eruption. Um, but to move on to our final and probably most, in, not most interesting, but our best topic, um, we do weekly predictions. Um, last week didn't go so hot for either of us. So we, I came in with a five and four record. Sergio's coming in with a six and three record. And so this week, Sergio, we're going to try to turn around our misfortunes um, and maybe maybe go undefeated, question mark, or maybe improve our records a little bit. Um, so I'm going to give you a matchup, and you are going to pick the winners, and I'm going to pick the winners too, and we're going to compare at the end of the year and see who does better. Um, up first, we have the number 21 Texas Longhorns without all their quarterbacks taking on the University of Texas San Antonio, who mind you, won 12 games last year and took number 24 Houston to triple overtime in week one. I'm going to go. I do remember. I do remember that game because I had, um, I bet on both of those games. <laughs> so <laughs> they were both, they both made the napkin. Uh, I think I lost the first one cause I took Houston minus four and a half and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. They won, I think. Yeah. And then I think they won by three. And then I also took UTSA plus three, minus three and a half, and they won by like four or six or something. So um, I'll take Texas. I think Texas wins the football game, but the spread's looking nice. It's double digits. And I think that that might be something to keep in mind because, Kevin, you were telling me about, you were just telling us about some quarterback troubles that the Longhorns have. So I may like to keep it within within 10 points. If you're new to the game, I'll take Texas, but I would like the spread. There you go. If you're new to the gambling scene, if it's minus whatever double digits in this scenario, it's 12 and a half. That gives you some room to kind of play with. No, plus, plus, because we would we want the points for it. Right. You we want to want to I was reading yeah, the spread yeah. off my phone. Just 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 go read just go read the napkin read on caterswire.com. I explain it all in there Friday morning. I, I was reading the the spread off my phone, so it's minus 12 and a half. <laughs> not it's not for the gambling people. It's it's just the odds. Um the next matchup, which honestly we talked about this earlier in the earlier in the in earlier in the game. Um earlier in the first quarter we talked about this. Um, Oklahoma visiting Lincoln under the new coach. Can the new look Cornhuskers pull off the upset? No. <laughs> as much as I hate to pick Oklahoma, I, I think. Wait, 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 hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Mic check, mic check. This, this thing on, this thing on. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> Not even remotely. I do think that they'll come out with some energy. That'll be a fun game to watch. Yeah. They may keep it they may keep it close in like the first half. If you remember last year, that's kind of the situation that happened. Um Yeah, I I will go I will go with uh Oklahoma for sure. Big fat no on the upset. I can't spell no without the big N in Nebraska. So um yeah, I just Nebraska no, no big red. No big red. <laughs> Nebraska just seems like if they're not a dumpster fire yet, they seem like they're a dumpster fire adjacent where like someone just threw a cigarette out by the dumpster and it's about to light it on fire. Um, and I don't know if the cigarettes touched the dumpster yet, but it's pretty close in my eyes. 
Um, the next game, which I bet against them last week, I bet against them twice this year. It has not paid off. Uh, BYU is visiting Oregon. Um, BYU is coming off a huge win over number nine Baylor. Um, this one is at you at Autzen Stadium in Eugene. Um, I'm gonna go with the Cougars. I'm going BYU. Um, I don't believe in in Bo Nix yet. I just don't. Yeah, I less it's less the Bo Nix thing. I mean, the Bo Nix thing is a factor, obviously. <laughs> always the the Bo Nix principle is gonna be a chapter in my book of college football one day. Um, but yeah, the um, yeah, this BYU team's really good. Like really good guys. Yeah. Like like wake up. I know that they play late most of the time, but this is a prime. I don't want to say use the word prime. This is a perfect opportunity to watch them during the day. 1230 local time kickoff, 330 kickoff on the East Coast here. Uh, yeah, like BYU. I like them. I think that they can go on a run. BYU is a playoff sleeper, in my opinion. So, Oh, bow, 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 hot take, hot take. No, I'm just kidding. Hot take, hot take. Hot take, hot take, hot take. Um, yeah, BYU beat a top 10 team without their two best receivers. So um, they are, in fact, good at football, if you will. Hot take, I know. We're just firing off hot takes right now, Sergio. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm going BYU. I, I don't think Bo Nix is that guy. I don't know if Oregon is that team yet. Um, we They looked really poor against Georgia, and then they beat up on my Eastern Washington Eagles the other day. So we haven't learned much about them. Uh, the next game, which is it's gonna be a it's gonna be a battle. We got number twenty two Penn State taking on Auburn. Um, our our friend Lucas Rodriguez, Lucas Rodriguez, your father, my father, Lucas Rodriguez, um, newly found Auburn fan, and this his Auburn- yeah. Let's let's hold on. Can we can we pause real quick? Let's let's talk about this. I listen. We we you and I know listeners may not know this, but I very openly, very openly was campaigning for Lucas to become a Florida Gator fan. He he was saying he was trying to get into college football. He wanted to pick a team so he could go. For reference, Lucas went to a small college in New England for undergrad. We all met at a small liberal arts college for grad school in New England, so he doesn't have the like college football Connecticut native like doesn't have the college football like pedigree history that myself growing up in the South did and going to an SEC school and Borba being a lifelong Texas fan um, after watching Vince Young did. We have the history, right? Yeah. Yep. I tried, and it was between myself and a friend of ours, Stephen. Shout out to Stephen McAvoy, a good friend of ours. He's a Notre Dame fan um, because he's Irish Catholic. And (laughs) he was like, no, I'm not going to pick those two schools. But I'm just shocked he ended up with Auburn, like of all the programs to to pick. You know, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at it. Just like, okay, cool. He was texting us. He was like, so – what should I expect this weekend? And we're like, dude, we we have no idea. <laughs> like, yeah. just it, it'll be loud. Yeah. Auburn, Auburn, it will be. Auburn might be busting out new uniforms. There's a little. I was gonna say, you saw that teaser on Twitter. Room you saw them teasing. I it? did. They might be busting out like, orange good. uniform. I bet you it's just gonna be a helmet or something. I don't know. I don't have faith. In- it might, a helmet or, or they might like paint the end zones orange. I don't know if they're normally orange, but like some something on the field maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But honestly. Penn State is like my kryptonite of teams to bet against. Um, in my heart of hearts, I will always bet against Sean Clifford. But the Sean Clifford experience is one that it's indescribable. Um, man is in his sixth year of college, um, sixth year of college quarterbacking. 
and he's somehow managed to not improve. He's just, he is what he is. <laughs> he, he's, he's decent at times. And then there's times where he'll throw into triple coverage. And so you never know what you're going to get. Um, but Auburn has someone kind of worse than Sean Clifford and TJ Finley. And so with that being said, I am going to go with the Nittany, Nittany Lions. I am also going with Penn State, and I will be very clear about this. This is not a bet in favor of Sean Clifford. This is, I think that both of these teams are in a similar spot. And I, does Sean Clifford factors reliable? The floor, I should say. The floor is consistent. I don't think he's going to be overly the, over the top horrible and cost him the game. I just don't see him as this super dynamic player that can get them to where Penn State wants to be. Doesn't mean I don't think that they can go on the road and beat kind of a weird Auburn team. Um, and honestly, just kind of given the situation that we got going on with um, Brian Harson, who knows, man, we'll see. Um, it'll be the three thirty CBS game of the week. So it'll be a fun broadcast to watch. Uh, we'll see. We'll yeah. See. Auburn's currently two and zero, but their quarterback has a one to three touchdown ratio, touchdown interception ratio against the powerhouses of San Jose state and Mercer. So you never know. Um, I'm calling for a Joey Porter touchdown if that or Joey Porter interception. Um, if that's a prop bet somewhere, lock it in. Um, Penn State has one of the best defensive backs in the country, and I think he's going to get one on TJ Finley. I just do. Um, moving on to our next game of the week. <sighs> this is going to be a tough one, Sergio. Number 11, Michigan State visiting Seattle. Washington is currently favored, but ESPN's FPI matchup predictor favors Michigan State. I'm, I'm calling for the upset. The, I believe in Michael Penix. I'm all in on Michael Penix this year. Okay, so you're picking Washington on this? Yep. Okay, I'm going to go with Michigan State, but I'm going to go with Michigan State more out of principle, less so out of like... I just think that they're a better football team right now. I don't think that they're world beaters and stuff. And yes, they're definitely going to be missing Kenneth Walker the third who I expect to be on the sideline because he plays for the Seahawks. He's probably going to be at the game. <laughs> should be. Um, should be. I mean, if it was me, I'd be at the game. Um, but yeah, that's that's what my um, my belief is on that one. You know, I think, I, I, I again, I just think Michigan State's the better football team right now. You know, I think Washington can get to a certain point, right? Mm -hmm. I think, but, but, but the Michael Penix free agents, free agency transfer um, was more of like a stopgap while they work things over and kind of really get that recruiting base built up again. Yeah. And, you know, so but I'll take Michael, Michigan State. Michael Penix is, he's serving, he's serving out there, Sergio. He's 12th in the country in passing yards, 10th in touchdowns. He only has one pick, top 15 in QBR. You know, Michael Penix is looking like that Michael Penix from Indiana a few years ago. Um, this will be a, his first true test at Washington. Um, that's kind of the hard thing about this game is neither of these teams have played anybody worth mentioning. Um, Washington, Washington has played Kent State and Portland State. And then Michigan State has beaten Western Michigan and Akron. So we know nothing about these teams in terms of how they face or how they fare against decent football teams. Um, moving on, we have a game that we kind of both touched on earlier. Miami visiting the Colt, a.k.a. Texas A&M. I, I didn't know that we were going to be referring to Texas A&M as the Colt outside of our text messages. I thought that was going to stay inside of I did it. Our, our text, yeah. but <laughs> you just did it. We, we, we refer to A&M as the Colt because, well, you know, for reasons that remain obvious. <laughs> for reasons, just look it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going Miami, though. Um, 
I, I have more faith in Miami. And honestly, all the reasons that we mentioned, all the issues that Texas A&M is going through right now, I just, I feel like there's too much going on for them to get a, a much needed win. Plus it's Mario, you know? Well, okay. The Mario, though, it's Mario. Mm, not so much. The man's a fantastic recruiter. Kind of bottles it in big games. But I do like I do like Miami in this in this in this game because of we spent 15 minutes talking about A and M and all that other stuff. So yeah. I don't want to have to re- I don't want to repeat that again. But yeah, I'll take I'll take Miami in this case. This is this is more I am betting against A and M than I am betting in favor of Miami. You know, okay. one team's got to win. So if it's not the one, I don't think it's going to be A and M. So it's got to be Miami. That's, they do not end in ties in American football. Love that. Um, the next one is I'm calling it the Charlie Brewer Bowl. Um, we have San Diego State taking on Utah. Um, Charlie Brewer, former Utah quarterback, he lo- he led Utah to a loss against San Diego State last year. Um, his seven-year college career, I think, has ended uh, due to a wrist injury or something this season at Liberty. But do you think the Utes can fend off? Or, yeah, the Utes can fend off San Diego State this year. Um. Yeah. I think so. I like Utah. I think the Pac-12, I think we're going to be on cruise control in the Pac-12 until we get to the USC-Utah championship game. I think they play in the regular season too. I think we've talked about this before. They do. They do. So I think think we're going to get a rematch in the Pac-12 title game. I really think for those two teams, every other game seems to be um, a wash for them. Uh, Yeah, no, I'll take the Utes for sure. sure. Well, I'm glad you're so confident in USC because they are hosting Jake Hayner and Fresno State this week. Um, which is our final game. Um, this is this is going to be a points galore. This this game's going to end like forty eight to thirty five. Yeah, I think this is going to be a fun game to watch. But I'll, I'll take USC. But it's a fun game. I'm to taking watch. USC. But Jake Hayner made a compelling case the other day. You know, he was uh, someone who was recruited by some Pac twelve schools. He ended up at Washington. His first his first stint. Um, USC didn't offer little Jake Hayner, according to Jake. Um, he was too small. Um, Revenge game? Revenge, Revenge game? game? Jake Henner. He beat you. He led uh, Fresno State to a victory over UCLA last year. I know it's different, but you never know. When someone is giving me Baker Mayfield, you know, a little Italian hand here. It's giving me Baker Mayfield vibes of no one believing. Listen, listen. I, I I like Jake Hayner. I really do. think he's a fun quarterback to watch. I like that Fresno State offense. think it's fun to watch. Mm. Do not ever compare anyone to the petty king. That is Baker Mayfield. The man planted the Oklahoma flag in the middle of the O at Ohio Stadium uh, at Ohio State in the middle of the horseshoe. Built different is that man. Yeah, you know, it's hard to argue with that. It just it, it just gave me Baker vibes. Um, I'm going to add a couple more games on the docket because there's a few unranked matchups that I like. And I'm going to make you pick with me, Sergio. So first, Vanderbilt has a chance to reach their win total. They are playing Northern Illinois, currently sitting at two and one. The Huskies are favored. Um, the Huskies are favored by Vegas. Vanderbilt is favored by ESPN's FBI. I'm going with the Commodores. I think this may be their third and possibly final win of the season, but it will be their third win. I'm all in. I'm all in. Love it. Give give me the, give me the Commodores. I think I picked I picked them. I do the. Gators Wire, or I'm sorry, the USA Today Sports um, Sports Media Group, the collection of you know what I'm talking about, the collection of sites. Yep, they do a um, 
SEC, the SEC teams all do like picks and I'm in charge of sending the picks for um, Gators wire. I represent Gators wire. So they're my picks. It's just representing Gators wire. And I picked Vanderbilt to win. So love that for you. I'm with you. Okay, Sergio, this is an underrated game. Probably no one's going to watch except for the families. Kansas is visiting Houston. And I picked this game because Kansas is coming off a huge win over West Virginia in overtime, 55 to 42. Um, Kansas got a quarterback, dude. They do. They do. I saw them first. They got, they got a quarterback. They, they beat us last year. Um, do you think they pull off this upset? <laughs> do you think Kansas? No, I don't think they pull off the upset. I think, I think Houston wins, but I do think it's, it's my- it, it'll be interesting to watch. I, I don't think it's just the families that are watching this game. I, I, I could definitely see myself having this on the side. For the sake of spice, I'm all in on the Jayhawks. All in. Okay. Make make that decision. Double down. I respect it. I'm all in. Okay. And then to to round it off, Sergio, one final game before before we call it a night or an afternoon for me. Um let me let me look through let me look through the docket. North Dakota State taking on Arizona. Underrated game. It's on the Pac-12. So in or no, it's on FS1. It's on FS1, excuse me. Yes. Yes. And I know that. I know it that it's on FS1 because when I recorded this week's episode of Sideline Judgment, um, Tyler and I preview games by having five wide and then a two point. So five wide is we each pick the same five games, the five biggest games of the week. And then the two point is we each pick one and we don't tell each other until we reveal it on the air. And that game is worth two points in our season long picks competition. Mm. My two point pick this week is North Dakota State over Arizona. So I I I'm fully aware of this game. It kicks off at eleven o'clock Eastern on FS1. I will be having this game on as I go to bed. One hundred thousand percent am in on the Bisons. Yeah, honestly, tough game to call. Honestly, Arizona's fifteen one against FCS teams. North Dakota State nine and three against FBS teams. Okay, okay. Uh, North Dakota State wins the championship just about every year at the FCS level. Um, Arizona's in a rebuilding stage. <sighs> Sergio, I'm going to do it too. I'm going with the Bison. I'm I'm going. I'm I'm all in on the Bison. A, a PSA to Power Five teams: Don't schedule North Dakota State. Yeah, it's that simple. Like under no circumstances should you be scheduling the best team in FCS. Zero circumstances. I would I would also add App State to that list. Um, they're <laughs> okay, but App State's a group of five not, team. Not App State F- is an yeah. FBS team, not an FCS like, school. Just saying, stop scheduling these Sun Belt schools. Just stop it. Um, yep. But yeah, this has been another delightful episode of the Tailgate Podcast, brought to you by the Bleed Podcast Network. I'm your host Kevin Borwick. He is Sergio Desperado, and we will see you guys next week, hopefully with some great Pick'em records.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.